1: I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with rising to record stocks fighting for more gains today after another broad based rally yesterday that saw the Dow and the S&P 500 both lock in fresh all time highs. However, global markets are under some pressure this morning. We are also following some breaking news in the Middle East, with tensions rising after new coordinated strikes on Houthi targets in Yemen by U.K. and U.S. forces. We have a live report from that region coming up. And a very busy morning in Asia following the Bank of Japan's latest policy decision and a new plan from Beijing to help prop up its struggling stock market. Also, a rough quarter for United Airlines doing very little to dent its full-year outlook. This morning, those shares, they are popping. And getting set for Netflix results, the number one number that you need to watch when the streaming giant reports, it is Tuesday, January the 23rd, 2024, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, we kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures with the Dow, the S&P and the Nasdaq 100, all of them sitting very close to all time highs. You can see this morning we are fractionally higher this morning across the board. The Dow pretty much flat, just a few points above the baseline. Okay, stocks are currently riding a three session win streak with 85 S&P companies trading at fresh 52 week highs, including these names you see right here. We're talking meta platforms, Salesforce, McDonald's, Microsoft, and Merck. You can see some uh, mixed movement here in the pre-market. Ross, look at the bond market this morning. Yields moving just fractionally higher this morning. The benchmark right now sitting at 4.12 percent. And also, we want to look at energy, specifically oil, under some very slight pressure right now. After our Bob Gasoline's best day since mid-November, excuse me, mid-December. Right now, you can see right now. uh, Sorry, I was still in Treasuries right now. But as we mentioned, oil under a bit of pressure. Okay, that's your setup. We're going to turn our attention to the global markets, a mixed session overnight in Asia on the back of a fresh Bank of Japan policy decision and red arrows across the board in Europe. Let's get to the latest with our JP Ong in Singapore and Sylvia Amaro in our London newsroom. JP, we're going to begin with you. Good morning or good afternoon over there.
2: Yes, good morning, Frank. And really, out here in Asia, not much really to complain about with most of these indices actually seeing gains, with the exception of the Nikkei 225 that saw that slight step back for markets out in Tokyo after that blistering start to the year. Now, we'll get to that in the Bank of Japan's decision just a little bit. We have to acknowledge how well China, greater Chinese stocks really did today on the back of those reports that authorities and regulators might be rolling out a multi billion dollar support plan to prop up the stock market. Now, you'll notice here that the Hang Seng also snapping out of their 11 month lows because some of the mega- I won't get too deep into the details here, but some of the mechanisms show that it will be conducted via diverting offshore funds for SROEs, through the Hong Kong market, which is why you're seeing Hong Kong perhaps outperforming their mainland counterparts so far this Tuesday. But I do want to go into the currency market also, which really strengthened. You saw the Chinese offshore yuan doing quite well today. News of that uh, the report also supporting Australian markets and the Aussie dollar today. But again, the Bank of Japan does put the yen in focus once again. The Bank of Japan did leave policy rates unchanged once again. They left the short-term rates at negative 0.1% and also the yield curve control the 10-year yield, allowing it to about 1%. But they did trim a little Little bit, their forecast for core consumer prices in Japan for this year. The consensus, though, is despite the fact that they have held on these policy settings and kept them unchanged, is that the BOJ might be preparing to exit their negative rate policy by April, but they're going to wait until April because they want to conclude the annual spring wage negotiations between corporations and labor unions in Japan. If they see wage increases, and thus a hint also that there is a continued trend of wage increase in Japan, it will then give them more room to actually exit this negative rate policy with the Bank of Japan, one of the last few major central banks that have actually is in this negative rate environment. Now, If the, now, based on this, the Japanese yen did strengthen, but did possibly weigh on the Nikkei 225, which saw that little trim off the top, but don't feel too bad for Japanese stockholders because they did test their highest levels since early 1990, and perhaps this was a time that really embellished or it perhaps encouraged um, some, stock, uh, st- some, some traders in Japan perhaps take a little bit of profit after seeing highs they haven't seen in more than three decades. That's the wrap so far out in Asia, and we'll see if some of these trends continue when the midweek happens n- tomorrow. But but first, good morning to you guys. All
1: right, JP, thank you very much. Our JP Ong, live in Singapore. And we're going to turn our attention now to the early trade over in Europe and our Sylvia Amaro. Sylvia, over to you.
3: Hello, Frank. Well, it's a totally different picture here in Europe. Yesterday, actually, Monday session, we saw that positive sentiment that we had seen also side. But now, when you look at European equities, that is not the feeling. So if you look to my right, it is pretty much a red picture across the board. Over here in the UK, the FTSE 100 is down by about 0.15%. The extra DAX also down with similar moves. I would just point out to the Spanish main market down by about 0.7%. We're seeing the biggest down moves over in Spain. And what we perhaps could be looking at is the fact that investors are taking a little bit of a, a pause here to assess what they should do next. As we prepare to hear from the European Central Bank on Thursday, and then also from the Bank of England next week, so that positive sentiment is not what's happening so far in today's session. But when it comes to the sector picture, let me show you what we're looking at at this stage. And um, at the top, we have basic resources up by about 1.5 percent. Perhaps some of the positive moves that we're seeing here at this stage are related to the fact that we had those. Uh, announcements from China. We perhaps could be looking at some um, stimulus measures there. But overall, Frank, the picture here in Europe, also off the back of some earnings, is a negative one.
1: Sylvia Amaro, live in our London newsroom. Sylvia, great to see you as always. All right, turn our attention now back to the U.S. markets. The Dow closing at a record high for the third time this year, topping 38,000 for the first time ever. It took just 25 trading days for the Dow to reach a new 1,000-point milestone. That is the shortest period between milestones since the move from 33,000 to 34,000 back in 2021. That took only 21 trading days. Let's bring in Scott Ladner, chief investment officer at Horizon Uh Investments, to talk the market. Scott, good morning. It's great to see you.
4: Hey, Frank. Good morning.
1: All right. So, Scott, uh, pretty bullish uh, situation right now on Wall Street. New highs for blue chips in the broader market. It is important to note that tech still is showing some leadership, even though we saw things broaden out a bit. Um, Do you think this is sustainable? Are we going to continue to see more gains this year?
4: Uh, Well, yeah, look, we we think certainly we're going to see more gains this year. Probably going to be tech led, maybe not the tech that everybody's thinking about right now, but like, you know, probably not the hardware tech part is is, is going to lead, you know, in terms of semiconductors. Uh, We're probably past the hardware part of the AI trade. We're probably moving into the uh, more the services part more the use case part. Of the AI trade, that's frankly that's going to be the more interesting part of that, of that trade. We think, but it's also going to be broader, and it's going to be much more the market can participate in that in that kind of trade. Um, and we think that's going to be probably the largest driver in twenty twenty four.
1: Okay, uh, despite these new highs again for the Dow and the S and P, you actually believe that Wall Street is having a vibes recession, or as you call it, a vibe session. Uh, so, give us a sense. We got some big data reports out this week. You think there's a disconnect between the hard data and the soft data? This week we have PCE we have GDP we've got a lot to, to kind of weigh and chew on what's going on with the vibe session do you think it continues after this week you know
4: like that may be starting to end and you know and by by vibe session this is not something that, that I necessarily came up with but but certainly something that I think describes what's going on in markets going on in the economy for much of the last year and all that means is that the way that people feel and the way that people have been answering surveys is very different from the from the reality of how they actually are in their real lives I mean, we know that Everybody's flush with cash. We know that, that balance sheets are re- in really good shape. But when they answer surveys, they are very, very, they like almost despondent in the way they answer surveys. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> we got the first, um, you know, so, so basically, you know, this divergence between sort of the, the soft data, the survey data, um, and like how I feel versus how I actually am. Okay. Um, you know, that divergence, we think, actually may be starting to close. We might have gotten our first inkling of that with the University of Michigan sentiment indexes released last week. Um, if, if we get consumer confidence back up, That's going to be a big, big, bold tailwind for the rest of this year. We might might be getting there.
1: You know, Scott, by the way, you're really kind. You're giving credit to somebody else for Vibe Session. I'm going to use it. I'm not going to give you any credit. I'm just going to act like I made it up. Uh, Just joking, really. Um, Our JP Ong, he mentioned investors in Japan. I know that's something that you're looking at as well. You're actually looking at something a guest yesterday talked to us about, the fact that 50% or more of Japanese-listed firms are considering restructuring to unlock a valuation discount. You're saying that makes Japan more attractive right now?
4: Yeah, and look, and we think Japan is one of those things that is still under the radar. After having a great year last year, um, you know, people and you know, people my age, people who've been in this business 25, 30 years, we've never really been, gotten excited about Japan. There's never been anything to get excited about. Um, you know, they, they call it the old Widowmaker trade, being short JGBs uh, from from way back when. And so, when when you have something in Japan that is more structural uh, from from a from a corporate development standpoint, and from a you know a Western values inside of uh, inside of companies creating shareholder value, caring about earnings, you know, things that the Western companies sort of take for granted. Japanese companies haven't always. And so, you know, that that creation of, uh, you know, more Western style values inside Japanese firms uh, could lead to a lot of equity value. And we think that story is just starting to get told right now.
1: So, Scott, tell me, we asked a guest this yesterday. Are you saying play it by an ETF? Are there certain stocks that you look at? Are there certain sectors in Japan that you're especially bullish on? Just give us one or two.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, if we're talking about Japan, ETFs are probably the easiest way to play it. We mix it up between the currency hedge and the non-currency hedge just so we don't have to take a strong position on with the BOJ or the currency is doing. I just think you just want that broad-based Japanese exposure right now.
1: All right, we're showing the audience a bunch of ETFs. Scott Ladder says there's a vibe session on Wall Street, but it may be coming to an end. Great to see you. Thank you very much. All right, That's time great. now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. We got shares of United Airlines popping. Our Sylvana Hanao is here with that story and much more. Sylvana, good morning.
5: Hey, Frank, good morning to you. Yeah, shares of United Airlines are moving higher in the pre-market after releasing its latest quarterly results. Right now, we're seeing gains of about 6% in the pre-market. Now, the carrier says fourth quarter profits fell 29% from a year ago. But... Sales were up 10%, both topping analyst estimates. But for the current quarter, prospects are a bit weaker with United forecasting a first quarter loss of between 35 and 85 cents a share, with its fleet of 79 Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes still grounded. Investor attention also focusing on its Full-year forecast with a sign of relief. United projecting adjusted earnings to coming in between nine and eleven dollars a share for 2024, while analysts were expecting a figure closer to nine fifty. Hear much more about United's results from CEO Scott Kirby in a CNBC exclusive coming up at 7:15 a.m. Eastern. Frank.
1: All right, Silvana, Thank you very much. We will see you later in the show. All right, turning back to the Middle East and a developing story overnight, the U.S. and the United Kingdom, they carry out their second joint airstrikes on Houthi rebel targets in Yemen. NBC international correspondent Ali Arouzi joins me now from Tehran. Ali, good
6: morning. Good morning, Frank. That's right. The U.S. and the U.K. have conducted a fresh series of joint airstrikes against houthi targets in yemen hitting eight targets including an underground storage site and houthi missile and surveillance capabilities now frank this is the eighth strike by the u.s against houthi targets in yemen it's the second joint operation with the uk in an attempt to protect the free flow of commercial shipping. A joint statement said the strikes were carried out with the support of Australia, Bahrain, Canada and the Netherlands with the aim of de-escalating tensions and restoring the stability to the Red Sea. The statement also added a warning to the Houthis that the coalition won't hesitate to protect the lives and the free flow of commerce in one of the world's most critical waterways. However, these latest strikes seem to be smaller than the previous joint operations on January the 11th, when the U.S. and British warships uh, hit more than 60 targets in 28 locations. And, And look, the Houthis, with their backing of their patrons in Tehran, have managed to seriously disrupt and greatly increase the cost of commercial shipping. And as a result, we've seen a growing number of companies redirecting their ships away from the Red Sea, choosing the much longer, much more costly route around Africa's Cape of Good Hope. Frank?
1: So, again, uh, the U.S. and the U.K., they carry out their second joint airstrikes on Houthi rebel targets in Yemen. Ali, I want to ask you, what's the overall objective of the coalition? We know what the problem is. And is it having any effect in deterring the Houthis?
6: Well, Frank, the objective of these strikes uh, for the coalition has been to destroy or degrade the Houthis' ability to launch missiles Mm -hmm. and to deplete their stockpiles. But the fact of the matter is that despite several carefully calibrated joint attacks The Houthis remain defined. They continue to launch a variety of missiles and projectiles uh, at ships passing by their coastline. And as long as the cash, the weapons, the training and support keeps flowing in from Tehran, the Houthis' resolve to attack ships isn't going to weaken. Just this morning, the Houthis issued more warnings, saying that the airstrikes will only increase their determination and that they will respond to every attack against them. And the reality is uh, that they are in a pretty strong position. Even though the international response has ramped up uh, in an attempt to degrade their military capabilities, they're still getting a steady flow of sophisticated drones and missiles from Iran the Houthis also control extensive areas of mountainous terrain in Yemen. And military experts say that makes it easier for them to hide their radars, their munitions and their launch vehicles. And as long as okay. this conflict in Gaza goes on, uh, there isn't going to be any slowdown in their attacks, Frank.
1: All right. Following those attacks, we're looking at oil right now, down about a half a percent. Ali Arouzi, live in Tehran. Great to see you as always. Thank you. All right. We got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, China reportedly moving to spend billions of dollars to prop up its struggling stock market. We are live in Beijing next. Plus, getting set for Netflix and the number one metric you need to watch in that report. We speak with one investor that is long on the stock. And then later, we head to New Hampshire in the first presidential primary where Nikki Haley is holding out for hope. For a neck-and-neck finish with former President Trump, we have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns.
7: What does it
8: mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones. Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com/slash/findyourrich. Edward Jones, Member SIPC.
5: People today can spend half their lives over fifty, so it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation Cannonball! or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.
1: All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Chinese stocks rebounding today on a report the government is weighing a massive stimulus plan to stabilize the slumping stock markets. The Hang Seng Index is leading the gains up just over two and a half percent, while the mainland China benchmark, the SCSI 300 index. That's now bouncing off a five year low. Eunice Yun joins us now from Beijing with more on the steps the government is reportedly considering. Eunice, good morning.
7: Hey Frank, well investors got a little bit of a relief today uh, by talk that the authorities here are considering a stabilization fund. Uh, the reports are saying that this could amount to 279 billion dollars that this would money would mostly be coming from offshore accounts of state firms and that uh, the reason for that is that uh, they wouldn't want to put more downward pressure on the Renminbi that the shares would be bought via the Hong Kong exchange link and then the measures would potentially be announced later this week if approved by Beijing. Now, uh, while this was going on and this talk is going on, uh, the the premier, uh, Li Chang, had also vowed that uh, Beijing would take uh, more forceful action. To try to boost market sentiment. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of detail as has been the case, but there has been no shortage of reports within the market of unofficial guidance. The latest uh, being that state insurers are being instructed not to sell shares. And this comes after in the past several days, uh, more reports of the biggest broker, for example, uh, being told not to um, or to curb uh, short selling and also local funds being told to buy more equities or to launch equity uh, products. Frank.
1: And uh, there's reports that China's going to launch a $279 billion stabilization fund. I think the real question here, Eunice, is there a sense that this is going to work? Is this going to help turn things around?
7: Well, it's calming the market for for now, mm-hmm. so for the moment. But, yeah, there's a lot of big questions as to whether or not this is really going to be effective. Uh, all this week, uh, people have been uh, really um, uh, grumbling about uh, the losses that they've had in their stock market portfolios. Uh, people have been comparing it to 2015, 2016, when there was a stock market crash that uh, really became a social stability issue for Beijing. Uh, but what if this uh, fund does turn out to be true is a report of it, uh, then uh, w- the, the question is whether or not it's really going to address uh, some of the larger issues that people see uh, with the economy here, with the property sector, uh, worries about the private business uh, sector. So uh, if it doesn't address that, then uh, people are, are mainly in a wait-and-see mode and wondering if this is a signal of a, a larger uh, a change in terms of the attitude at the top.
1: All right, we'll have to wait and see. Looking at the markets over there in China uh, up right now, the Hang Seng up over two and a half percent. Our Yunus Yun live in Beijing. Yunus, always great to see you. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, new details into that bogus SEC tweet, greenlighting trading for nearly a dozen Bitcoin ETFs a day before the actual decision. Stay with us. Much more coming up on WEX.
9: From their innovative practice facility,
1: All right. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Returning now to the campaign trail this morning. The first votes are being cast in the New Hampshire presidential primary with Nikki Haley scoring an early win over former President Trump in at least one historic community. NBC's Bree Jackson joins me now from Manchester, New Hampshire, with much more. Bree, good morning.
8: Good morning, Frank. So some voters here in New Hampshire tell me that they are not excited about a potential Biden-Trump rematch. They're looking for alternatives. And that's where campaigns like Nikki Haley and Dean Phillips are hoping to gain support. Republican candidates delivering their closing message to New Hampshire voters. Former President Trump wants to seal the deal for the GOP nomination.
0: We're coming to Take over the beautiful, beautiful White House and we're going to run the country the way it's supposed to be run.
8: Trump's former U.N. ambassador and Republican rival Nikki Haley seeks to finish stronger here than her third place finish in the Iowa caucuses. This really is an option. Do you want more of the same? No. 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 We want this or do you want to go forward? That's a sentiment echoed on the Democratic side. They don't want Donald Trump. Dean Phillips is challenging President Biden. Phillips is considered a long shot, but he tells me he hopes to build momentum in the Granite State where Joe Biden's name is absent
1: from the ballot. He needs competition because if we coronate him, it's lights out. Donald Trump is coming back to the White House. That's just the truth.
8: Biden could still win New Hampshire through a grassroots right in Biden campaign. He's done a stand up job with the economy and I don't see why we would pick anybody else um, to continue that work. Here at Stark Brewing Company in Manchester, craft beer is flowing and so are conversations about the presidential race. Some say they are not enthused about their choices.
6: This is a tough election. This is a
0: really tough election. Nobody wants to vote for people. They're all voting against people.
8: A sense of frustration as the first in the nation primary gives the country a sense of where voters stand in the 2024 presidential election. And, Frank, as you mentioned, some of these results have already come in. The tiny town of Dixville, Notch, they have this tradition of voting at the stroke of midnight, and we do know the results that they have there. This year they had a whopping six registered voters. Four of them were Republicans, two of them were independents, and all six of them voted for Nikki Haley.
1: Six voters, (laughs) definitely a small town there. Uh, One thing, Brie, so President Biden's name will not be on the ballot in New Hampshire today. Why is that?
8: So it really comes down to timing. President Biden's name will not be on the ballot here in New Hampshire today because Democrats have gone with South Carolina, the primary there on February 3rd. That is the first sanctioned primary. Uh, and that, be- that was a move that happened uh, after a dispute between South Carolina and New Hampshire. So President Biden's name is not on the ballot here because of uh, his support of the Democrats' decision to move the first primary to South Carolina on February 3rd.
1: Brie, you're in, you're in uh, Manchester. I'm surprised you didn't take that three-hour drive up to Dixville. <laughs> well, <laughs> Just, I
8: need to be back here. i you know, <laughs> I wanted to get some sleep.
1: <laughs> our, our Brie Jackson live on the campaign trail. Right, Brie, thank you, Frank. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to turn to a market alert tied to the contest up there in New Hampshire. Former President Trump's performance during primary season translating to a big boost for the SPAC, planning to buy the media company that runs his Truth Social platform. Shares of Digital World Acquisition fighting to hold on to earlier gains in the pre-market after surging more than 80 percent yesterday in the wake of Ron DeSantis' exit from the race. Over the last week, the stock's up more than 110 percent right now in the red. But again, big boost after Ron DeSantis dropped out of the race. We'll continue to watch that. All right, coming up, Chinese gaming stocks getting set to boost on a possible regulatory about-face. We're going to explain that story and much more. Stay with us. Much more with It is right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there is a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here's what's still on deck. The records keep rolling on. The Dow's surpassing 38,000 for the first time ever, and the S&P continue to test new highs. Futures are fighting to build on that momentum. A key driver for the markets today, earnings. Top of mind. Netflix's quarterly results. We lay out the key numbers to watch when those cross. And Senator Bernie Sanders setting his sights on CEO pay, looking to rein in what he calls outrageous compensation. It is Tuesday, January the 23rd, 2024. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, we pick up a half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures with the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ 100, all three of them sitting at fresh all-time highs. Taking a look at the pre-market right now, we see futures are in the green. Looks like we will open at new highs if we stay on this trend. Okay, we're also checking the bond market this morning, as always. We focus on the benchmark 10-year. Right now, that yield at 4.13. We've seen yields tick up in recent days. And we're also looking at oil. Under just a bit of pressure this morning after Arbob Gasoline's best day since mid-December, right now you're seeing oil actually hitting its lows of this morning. WTI and Brent Crew both down about three-quarters of 1%. Okay, that is your morning setup. We're also looking at earnings. We're watching shares of Netflix. Uh, They report after the close today. Key to that report is how price hikes, password crackdowns, and its ad-supported tier, they are impacting subscriber growth. Our Julia Borston has much more on what to expect.
10: Netflix is expected to deliver accelerating revenue growth and subscriber additions in line with last quarter's surprise subscriber beat. Nearly 9 million, that's how many new subscribers analysts are projecting, which would bring Netflix's paid memberships to 256 million. The other key number to watch is 11 percent. That's the accelerating revenue growth that Netflix forecast. Now, both numbers would reflect success converting freeloaders to paid subscribers, as well as advertising upside after Netflix announced just earlier this month 23 million ad-supported subscribers. And as rival streamers focus on profitability, Netflix's lead is seen as giving it an even greater advantage to license other media companies' content and spend less overall on content. Now, despite the 36 percent run-up in Netflix shares since its last earnings report, 60 percent of analysts have a buy rating on the stock, 34 percent have a hold, and only 6 percent have a sell. Frank, back over to you. All
1: right. Joining me now with his expectations, James Demmer, chief investment officer of Main Street Research, who owns Netflix for several clients. James, good morning. Good morning, Frank. All right. So Joe just gave us how the analysts see the stock, uh, the average price target on the street. It actually only has about a 2% upside. How do you feel
0: about Netflix and what are your expectations for this result? Yeah, I think the street is a little bit um, sort of being too cautious about the company. I mean, uh, this is the mega hit of the streamers, uh, the the one and only really profitable company, uh, 250 million subscribers at this time, and who knows what that number will be, as Julia was was uh, sort of alluding to. And I so so our view is, I think the street is. I mean, yes, the stock's ramped; it's up 160 percent in a year. Um, but you know, keep in mind, it's 30 percent off its high from the end of 2021. So, you know, in our view, they're the leader in the space. Okay. Stocks trading at a valuation that actually is reasonable. So we think. Wait, 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 James, it's trading at 35 times forward earnings. You're saying that's reasonable? You know, what's interesting is it sounds excessive, right, Frank? But keep in mind, you know, a, a year ago, they reported 12 cents a quarter. We're expecting. $2.22 $2.22 this quarter. So this company is growing in way in excess of its PE multiple of 35. And that's a, that's one of the things you want to think about with valuation. Okay. Gosh, 35 times 30 sounds expensive. Maybe not relative to that growth rate.
1: Okay, you're willing to pay for growth. So let's talk about growth for a second. You hit on it in just a second. This quarter, 8.8 8 million paid subscribers. That's the estimate for ads. Uh, overall, 256 million paid subscribers. Julia really laid it out. If they're able to hit these targets or even exceed... It's kind of a, a proxy for the fact that their password crackdown is working. Do you agree if they're able to hit these numbers that this is a really bullish sign for the
0: stock going forward? I think they're going to meet the numbers or they're going to beat them. And, and I think that's a big part of it. Who knew, you know, just crackdown on these password sharing across these families and friends. It's been really accretive to revenue. So uh, we think they're going to hit or, or beat uh, that number. And, of course, that's part of our bullish uh, uh, position. I think also, you know, you want to think about expenses here. Uh, and one thing that the street might not get right. And I think we're going to be concerned about is looking at what those, what that expense line okay. looks like. You had the writer strike. end, so you've got a pipeline of content coming at them. You know, so that probably content,
1: content. I don't want to cut you off, but you're, you're actually leading me to my next question. It's all about content. So I want to ask you about this. Netflix film chief, Scott Stuber, he's leaving Netflix to start a new company. He joined in 2017, he oversaw some very successful projects. We're talking Bird Box, good movie, not a great ending. Red Notice
0: and Glass Onion, your take. How does that impact content? It's not great news to to see him leaving. On the other hand, this is a company who's uh, groomed a lot of people behind him and, and knows how to attract talent better than anybody who's in the streaming business. So I think here's where you say, "Wow, if the stock trades down, Maybe they miss slightly or they don't meet expectations, or the fact that he's leaving, right, causes people to be sellers. I think if you don't own the stock, you use that weakness here to, to come in and take a position. Um, so that's one of the things I think. I think also, um, if you're a Netflix user, this new, mo- this new movie, Dumb Money, which about the GameStop short squeeze, I don't know if you've seen it, Frank. I haven't seen it. It's phenomenal. Yeah, they, they actually do have a lot of good stuff on there. I was just watching the Kevin
1: Hart movie. Uh, pretty good. Uh, James Demert, great to have you here. Appreciate your insights. Still very bullish on Netflix and its prospects going forward. We'll have to check in with you uh, down the line to see how Netflix is doing later. Thank you again. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Sylvana, good morning.
5: Hey, Frank, good morning to you. New details emerging in the breach of the SEC's account on X earlier this month. The agency saying a SIM swap attack was to blame for the incident. Now, a a SIM swap is when a phone number is is transferred to another device without the permission of the owner, potentially allowing someone to reset account passwords associated with that number. The person that accessed the SEC's account went on to send out a fake post claiming the The agency had approved the first ever spot coin, spot, Bitcoin ETF, which subsequently moved crypto markets. Meanwhile, we're watching shares of Archer Daniels Midland this morning after plunging 24 percent in yesterday's session. Right now, they are they're slightly up. They're about one up about one percent in the pre market. Now, that was the most on record, the drop we saw yesterday. And that drop was coming after the company revealed it was placing its CFO on administrative leave as it investigates accounting practices at its nutrition segment. ADM also revealing it was cutting its 2023 profit forecast and delaying its fourth quarter results due to the probe. Now, and Senator Bernie Sanders is going after what he calls outrageous pay for CEOs. Sanders and a group of Democratic senators have introduced legislation that would raise taxes for companies that pay their chief executives at least 50 times more than their typical worker salary. Now, the lawmakers, they argue the bill, which could impact some of the country's biggest companies, is needed to fight corporate greed, Frank.
1: All right, Silvana, thank you very much. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, United Airlines shaking off turbulence tied to Boeing's woes with the shares soaring ahead of the open, plus the US and the UK carrying out a fresh round of strikes against Houthi targets. We have the very latest on the escalating tensions in the Middle East. But first, we go to some of your top trending stores. So forget a penny for your thoughts. How about 13 pennies for a new home, a town in northern Croatia It's selling houses for just 13 cents in an attempt to get more people to settle in that area, which has seen its 2,000-person population fall steadily since 1918. And speaking of incentives, you, ha- you, may, you may have just one more reason to hit the gym this year. Jim Bird is offering one lucky person 5,000 bucks if they can keep their fitness resolutions until March the 29th. If the goal isn't reached, the money will be donated to that person's opposing political party. A little incentive. And a New York State donut shop seeing a gold rush over the weekend. Sales at uh, Donuts Delight in Rochester popping after running a three-day promotion for Taylor Swift and Buffalo Bills-themed donuts. Yes, Taylor Swift strikes again. The spike in demand leading management to hire 30 extra workers and keep the store open 24 hours for all three days. Too bad the bill's lost. Worldwide Exchange, back after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We start with J.P. Morgan cutting its rating on Coinbase and moving it to underweight. J.P.M. saying while Coinbase is still the dominant U.S. exchange in the crypto ecosystem, the catalyst in Bitcoin ETFs that has pushed that ecosystem out of its winter will disappoint investors. Shares, shares of Coinbase down just about four and a half percent. Jeffries upgrading its rating on Tiva Pharmaceuticals, moving it to a buy. Analysts believe Tiva will execute on its growth strategy and transition into an innovation focused company. Jeffries expects to see multiple expansion this year if a number of factors line up. Shares of Tiva right now up over 1%. And Candor Fitzgerald initiating coverage of NVIDIA with an overweight rating and a $775 price target. So analysts there, they call NVIDIA the AI platform and they note it's the third cheapest Magnificent 7 stock on a PE basis for this year and for next. All right, time now for your global briefing. The Bank of Japan overnight voting unanimously to keep interest rates unchanged at negative 0.1 percent and stick to its yield curve control policy. That policy keeps the upper limit on the 10-year bond yield at 1 percent. Investor consensus is the central bank will end its negative rate policy during its mid-April meeting at the earliest. Chinese officials are reportedly considering measures to boost the country's struggling stock market. According to Bloomberg, Beijing policymakers are looking to mobilize around $278 billion. Those funds coming mainly from offshore accounts at state-owned companies to buy shares onshore through the Hong Kong Exchange link. The report adds the plan is drawing, quote, skeptical responses from unconvinced investors. And video game stocks, they're popping in China. The country's gaming regulator removed proposed industry rules from its website. They were aimed at curbing time and dollars spent on gaming. No comment from regulators on that removal, though Reuters reports it could also be tied to possible revisions coming down the road instead of an outright removal. All right. Turning to another developing story we are watching this morning, the U.S. and the U.K. both launching a fresh round of strikes against Houthi targets in an effort to stop the group's attacks on ships in the Red Sea. The strikes on eight targets in Yemen include rocket launchers, missile depots, radar sites, and underground storage facilities, and mark the second major assault by the joint forces and eighth strike overall on the rebel group by Western forces. In a statement, the Pentagon says the strikes were successful and achieved the desired effect. They added, They were done with support from Australia, Bahrain, Canada and the Netherlands. We're also hearing this morning British Foreign Minister David Cameron, who says, quote, What we've done again is send the clearest possible message that we will continue to degrade their ability to carry out these attacks. So far, there have been 35 such attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea since the Israel-Hamas war began. All right. Ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today. Plus, the tech names beyond the magnificent seven, our next guest is looking towards for some opportunity. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Wex will be back right after this. All right. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Taking a look right now at the futures. You can see they've all moved to the red right now. The Dow essentially flat, but fractionally nowhere. The same story for the Nasdaq as well. Uh, we are on record watch for both of those indices. We're also looking at Europe this morning. Right across the board, you're seeing the Italian MIB down a half a percent, the DAX down fractionally as well. All right. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. We're going to start with United Airlines shares popping despite forecasting a first-quarter loss due to the FAA's grounding of Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes. This after beating on both revenue and earnings during the holiday quarter and issuing four-year guidance to beat estimates. Still, CEO Scott Kirby reportedly growing increasingly concerned over Boeing's ability to handle its ongoing quality issues. For much more in the quarter, don't miss a CNBC-exclusive interview with Kirby at 7.15 a.m. this morning. All right. cents. Riot Games plan to lay off 530 employees or around 11 percent of the staff, calling that move a necessity as it deals with too many projects and too little focus. Taking a look at shares, they're up over three and a half percent. Francis Sanofi is buying Inhibrix drug development project for around two point two billion dollars in an effort to boost its rare disease business. Under the terms of the deal, Inhibrix shareholders. They receive $30 per share. You can see uh, Sanofi shares down about a half a percent and Hembrick shares up over 8 percent. Bitcoin prices extending yesterday's slump when it fell to a seven-week low, now hovering below 40000 for the first time since the launch of 11-spot Bitcoin ETFs on January the 11th. UBS unveiling its biggest branding push since 2016 as it looks to drive growth following its takeover of rival Credit Suisse. The bank will spend tens of millions of dollars and take on the new slogan, Banking is our craft. Also, we have telecom giant Ericsson warning of continued declines in markets outside of China, calling investment levels by many operators unsustainably low. That's after the company reported a 9% drop in fourth quarter earnings. And we have a new survey from Gallup showing unhappy workers cost U.S. companies an estimated $1.9 trillion in lost productivity last year as more Americans report feelings of detachment from their employers in the aftermath of the pandemic. All right, here's what the to watch today. We have a busy day of earnings on tap with results from Netflix, as we've been talking about all morning, 3M, General Electric, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Verizon, and Lockheed Martin. It is also presidential primary day up in New Hampshire, as voters there decide between former President Donald Trump and former Governor Nikki Haley as the Republican nominee. All right. That latest wave of earnings set to be the key driver for the markets with the Dow and the S&P hitting fresh records. Right now, we're going to check futures. As we mentioned earlier, we saw all three indices go into the red. Now we're seeing the S&P and the Dow just fractionally higher again. For more, let's bring in Kevin Simpson, founder and chief investment officer at Capital Wealth Planning. Kevin, good morning. It's always great to see you. Morning, Frank. Really quick. I want to get your take. Uh, futures just dipping into the red now, kind of fractionally mixed right now. What, what do you make of that?
11: I mean, we're just still digesting an incredible rally that we saw begin in late October, November, December, even here in January. It's um, it's it's great to see it. You know, it's a it's a result of the Fed pivoting off of a rate hiking policy. But maybe we're a little bit ahead of our skis right now. And it's going to be up to the economic data to determine whether this market's going to be able to push higher.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk to you a little bit about earnings and economic data coming up. But first, I want to get your
11: WEX word of the day. How do you see today shaping up? I mean, sticking with the theme we were just talking about, my word of the day is basics, as in getting back to basics. For this market to move higher, it's going to be indicative of earnings reports being better than expected, not like last year where it was better than feared and that was good enough. We need to see earnings produced so that we can justify this market moving. We had a, a first week last week where we saw 60 companies report, only 69 of them beat, and that's not good enough. So we're going to have 70 companies coming out this week. Look at those big names. They've got to deliver if we're going to expect to see this market continue.
1: Yeah, we're showing in the audience the, audit, the uh, earnings <laughs> wall right now. I know one earnings that you're paying a lot of attention to is Procter & Gamble coming up later today. Why is that so important? What do you think that's going to tell you?
11: Well, I think it's the first one before the Bell that we own. We also own Johnson & Johnson and Verizon today. But Procter & Gamble is a bellwether. talks a lot about the consumer. We want to listen to what they're saying about forecasts for 2024. They're expecting uh, single-digit internal growth, organic growth. They had really good earnings last time. But like so many stocks, Frank, this hasn't done anything in two years. So for for them to be able to produce returns on a total return basis, because they have a good dividend and a good dividend growth history, we're going to need to see them manage their costs, manage their supply chains, because the the shutdowns from COVID are over. You can't just continue to raise prices to perpetuity. So I'm paying attention to this one this morning, not expecting a whole lot of movement out of the stock. But I want to see what they're saying their expectations are for the consumer for twenty twenty four.
1: You know, you're talking about expectations and earlier you are talking about some of the economic reports out this week. So Friday, I think we have the biggest report of the week, probably PCE. We also get preliminary uh, Q4 GDP. What do you think those reports mean to investors again as we're we're very close to all-time highs on the uh, record highs on the Dow and a fifty-two week high on the SP? If
11: you want to see the index go higher, it's really gonna be based on the earnings, not not so much multiple expansion. So how do you get earnings to go higher? You can improve margins. You can see multiples move up a little bit, but they're already like nineteen and a half, twenty forward. So growth on Thursday with GDP, it's gonna be lower, but growth is still growth. And then Friday, you're right, like that's the big boy for the week. What's okay. gonna happen with inflation? All right, Kevin, I want to get to some of your picks. Your
1: picks are AI by acquisition picks, some mixed results when it comes to their stock since they made those acquisitions. But give us a sense. Why are you looking at AI by acquisition as opposed to the, the
11: names of the magnificent seven that a lot of people just consider AI stocks? Yeah, Sometimes the acquisitions take time to, to build the synergies. But if you missed a big seven trade, if that's not something you want to chase after. And for us, and you know, Frank, we invest in dividend paying companies. We want to get paid total return. These are three stocks, Cisco, IBM, and Broadcom, that over the past few years have made great acquisitions that will allow them to be participants in the AI trade while still having tons of free cash flow and returning that cash flow to shareholders. But every acquisition isn't built the same. The Broadcom VMware uh, merger, the the stock has been on a tear. You're showing IBM uh, quite the opposite. You know, they, they bought the Red Hat what a hundred years ago, and everyone <laughs> thought that was kind of a square a square peg and, and, and a round hole, but but it 's not and, and and this is not the, the old IBM that we remember. this is really a company now that that can progress and turn the AI trade into a profitable part of the business. So you're speculating a little bit less because you've got these old school companies. You don't want to not mention Cisco and the Splunk acquisition, but all of them are tremendous pipelines for cash flow. And these acquisitions, in some cases, finally, are are really starting to pay off. All
1: right. Kevin Simpson's picks: Cisco, IBM, and also Broadcom. Kev, great to see you. All right. That's going to do it for us. Squawk Box is coming up next. Thank you for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant
9: drive.